it's a boy. Maybe it's a girl. Now what? I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. Every faith tradition has its own rituals for childbirth and welcoming into the community. Judaism is no different. On this episode, we will look at birth rituals in the Jewish tradition. In our next episode, we will examine ethical issues regarding childbirth, such as adoption, in vitro fertilization, and of course, abortion. The mitzvah of having children is fundamental to Jewish existence. It is so important that God gave this commandment to Adam before any other. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, speaking to the man, God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and master it, and rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the living things that creep on earth. Later in the Talmud, the great rabbis Shammai and Hillel have an argument over how many children it takes to fulfill this commandment. Shammai says that two boys fulfill the mitzvah. Hillel argues that one must have a boy and a girl, since girls are needed in the world. It may sound sexist, but Hillel, being the more practical of the two, wins this argument. What is the first thing that we do when a child is born? Once the doctor has declared mother and child healthy, we whisper the Shema into the baby's ear. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Listen, Israel, Adonai is our God, Adonai alone. This verse from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, is the cornerstone of our faith, central to all of our prayer services, and declares that Adonai is the one true God and that there is no other God. The baby hears this declaration before anything else, and in the distant future, this Jew will have this declaration whispered into his or her ear just before death, making a beautiful bookend to one's life. The Shema is not gender-specific. Boys and girls alike hear it. But then, rituals differ according to gender. Should a woman give birth to a Jewish boy, we immediately plan for a brit milah, a ritual circumcision, commonly called a bris. We'll talk about girls a bit later. Brit milah, the covenant of circumcision, is the most observed mitzvah in all of Judaism. We may not always pray on Shabbat, and many of us like cheeseburgers, but circumcision is ubiquitous. Virtually all Jewish boys are circumcised eight days after birth. The mitzvah to circumcise your son at eight days comes from Genesis chapter 17, verses 9 through 14. In this passage, too long to quote here, God commands Abraham to circumcise himself and his entire household. Furthermore, God commands Abraham and his descendants to circumcise all boys at the age of eight days. Abraham dutifully circumcises his household, his son Ishmael, who is 13 years old at the time, and finally himself at age 99. Sitting in his tent as we read in chapter 18, Abraham greets the angels who announce both the impending destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah as well as the coming birth of Isaac. In other words, Abraham was recovering from his circumcision when the angels visited him. Why eight days? There is no specific reason given in the Torah for this length of time. 
It seems, however, that if a boy is circumcised at eight days, he has already celebrated his first Shabbat, has proven himself healthy enough to endure this quick procedure, and his mother is also well enough to be at the ceremony. As the child gets older, it is harder to do this procedure. After about 30 days, a urologist must be called. Of course, if the baby boy is not healthy at birth, we wait. Health trumps ritual in every case. The ritual of Brit Milah of circumcision is so important, it can be performed on a Shabbat or even on Yom Kippur. Eight days means eight days. The only flexibility is the health of the child. And if we must wait a few extra days, then we do not perform this ritual on Shabbat or other holy days. Who performs the Brit Milah? According to Jewish law, it is the father's responsibility to circumcise his own son, just as Abraham circumcised Ishmael and later Isaac. However, I know very few other fathers willing to do this. So Judaism has developed a formula by which the father formally delegates this medical procedure to a qualified doctor, or preferably to a mohel, a Jew trained in the art of circumcision. The mohel, or colloquially the moyel, is often a rabbi, cantor, or other observant Jew who has studied not just the medical procedure, but also the laws regarding circumcision. The moyel can also be a doctor, or in the more liberal Jewish dreams, can also be a woman. In Judaism, Brit Milah is much more than a medical procedure. It is an initiation into the Jewish people, and so the moyel must be Jewishly literate as well as medically competent. The Brit Milah is usually performed at the home, but can also be performed at a synagogue or even a hospital. But what are the steps to a Brit Milah? It's quite simple, but every step is filled with symbolism. We welcome the baby boy into the room with singing, clapping, dancing. Then the boy is placed on a special chair called the Kisei Shel Eliyahu, the chair of Elijah. Elijah is the herald of the Messiah. By placing the child on this chair, we hope and pray that this boy is the one, that he will bring the Messiah's arrival and the dawn of God's rule on earth. We then lift the baby and place him on the lap of the Sandek. Sandak is an Aramaic term for the one who holds the baby during the circumcision. Often the child is gently strapped to a specially fitted board and then placed on the Sandak's lap. It is also permissible to place him on the Sandak's lap symbolically and then lay the baby on a table. It's up to the family and the moil. Often the Sandak is a grandfather or other close male relative or friend. It is truly a great honor even though he will have the best view of the circumcision itself. Prayers are then recited, including a formula by which the father gives the moyo permission to be his agent and circumcise his son. Then the moyo recites a blessing before circumcising the baby. While an OBGYN or other doctor may take a few minutes to do this procedure, the special technique that a moyo uses ensures that the entire process of circumcision takes less than a minute. It is permissible to use a topical anesthetic or even an injection to numb the penis. Following the procedure, we often dip a piece of cotton gauze in wine so that the child can taste the sweetness of Judaism. Of course, we then clean and bandage the wound, which heals in just a few days. Following the circumcision itself, we offer prayers for the health of the baby and the mother. We conclude the ritual 
with the naming of the child. Of course, the child has a given name already. I'm speaking of a Hebrew name. In Judaism, we use our Hebrew names when we sign or witness documents, such as a Jewish marriage certificate. Depending on the wishes of the parents, they may choose an anglicized version of a Hebrew name, such as David becoming David or Jacob becoming Yaakov. Traditions vary regarding the choosing of a name. In the Ashkenazic European tradition, we name the child after a deceased relative, often a grandparent or great-grandparent. For example, I was named after two of my great-grandfathers, both of whom died shortly before I was born. In the Sephardic, North African, and Middle Eastern traditions, a child is named after a living relative. This is beautiful because a person can enjoy the honor while alive. Both customs are equally valid. The purpose of naming after a relative is the hope that the boy carries on the best traits of the person after whom he is named. The final part of the ceremony is the best. We eat. While the baby is sleeping or otherwise occupied, family and friends adjourn to the buffet table for a celebratory meal. We have welcomed another soul into the Jewish tradition. This is all fine, but of course we only circumcise boys, not girls. We consider female circumcision mutilation and rather barbaric. Is there a ritual for a baby girl? We'll talk about that after our break. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome back to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. Before we return to our discussion of birth rituals in Judaism, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Please remember to review and rate this episode on Apple, Spotify, or whatever service you are using. Also, please go back and listen to previous episodes if you have not done so already. So what do we do when a girl is born? The Torah gives us no guidance on this. In recent decades, though, we have created our own rituals for Brit Bat, the covenant for a girl. For many parents, having a child named in the synagogue on a Shabbat while the Torah is open is their ritual of choice. Parents often bring both boys and girls to the synagogue as soon as both baby and mom are ready. In the Orthodox tradition, the father would be called to bless the Torah, and then the rabbi would bless the child. The baby might not even be there, and mom would not even be allowed on the bimah, the altar. In the more liberal traditions, mom, dad, and the baby will come up to the bimah to bless the Torah. Following the reading, the rabbi recites a blessing over the child and announces the baby's Hebrew name. This happens, as I said, for both boys and girls. Often the parents or grandparents will sponsor the kiddush, the luncheon that follows the service, in honor of the baby's birth. But we can do so much more for girls. We have created a whole variety of naming ceremonies. Most of them take place in the home. Using the rituals of a Brit Milah as our model, we bring the baby girl into the room with great celebration. And while there is no Kisei Shel Eliyahu or Moyo there, parents and grandparents will offer prayers and readings while the rabbi would bless the child and bestow her Hebrew name upon her as the service progresses. Then, of course, we eat. As I said, these rituals are involving. There is no one way to bless and name a girl. But when all is said and done, we have welcomed a baby girl into the covenant, just as we have welcomed a baby boy. 
If there are twins, we have one ceremony. Two circumcision procedures if there are twin boys. Two namings if there are twin girls. And what one Brit Milah and one naming if we have a boy and a girl. This is the major event, of course, in the Jewish birth rituals. But there is another ritual that we should discuss, the Pidyon Haben. Pidyon Haben means the redemption of the firstborn son. In Leviticus, we read that the firstborn of everything belongs to God. Firstborn cattle, firstborn sheep, first fruits, first harvest, etc. And the firstborn son, who we of course must redeem. Never, though, would we sacrifice our sons on the altar. This ritual simply reminds us that everything, including our bodies, belongs to God. Instead of coming to a rabbi, the parents bring their baby before a priest, a Kohen, when the child is 30 days old. The Kohen is a descendant of Aaron. Fathers who fall into this category are sure to tell their sons that they are descended from one of the priests, one who might have officiated in the temple. Kohanim, priests, have special responsibilities and rules, even today when there is no temple. For example, I am a Kohen as well as a rabbi, and there are certain restrictions and honors that I have that are unique to this status. The Kohen takes the baby from the parents and asks if they want to redeem the child. Of course, they say yes. The parents give the Kohen some form of currency, and the Kohen returns the child to the parents. It has become customary that the parents offer five silver dollars. The amount is not as important as the transaction itself. Usually, the Kohen receiving the money returns the coins to the parents afterwards, and then we eat. There are, however, certain restrictions on this ceremony. First of all, the son of a Kohen is exempt. Also, the boy must be the firstborn. If he has a big sister, there is no ceremony, and the child must be born vaginally. Having a C-section also exempts the boy from this ritual. Finally, girls are exempt from this ritual altogether. The final ceremony is a lot of fun. It's called Ushperin. Ushperin is the child's first haircut. Mainly performed in Hasidic and Orthodox communities, it is coming into vogue in the more liberal communities as well. When the child is three years old, the parents seal their, seat their son on a tall chair and give him lots of sweets to entertain and distract him. Then he gets a haircut. In the more traditional communities, this is when his payas appear, the side curls that many Orthodox and Hasidic Jewish men display. In the more liberal traditions, he just gets a nice haircut, and then we eat. The birth of a child is a joyous event, one to be celebrated with rituals, festivities, prayer, and food. There is no greater mitzvah in Judaism than bringing children into the world. I want to thank you for listening to Torah for Christians. Please remember to rate and review this and previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, or other streaming services. You can also like us on Facebook. Next week, we will consider some of the ethical issues surrounding conception and birth. We will discuss in vitro fertilization, genetic testing, and abortion, among other topics. It promises to be a frank and thorough presentation, drawing on my background as a published author and expert on the topic of Jewish medical ethics. Have a wonderful week, and remember, Behold how blessed it is for us to dwell together in unity. Till we meet again, I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, 
And this has been Torah for Christians. Thank mm-hmm. you.